Hello and welcome to This Week in James City County. I'm your host, Renee Dolman. Today I am once again joined by Sharon Day. Sharon is the Financial and Management Services Director. Did I get that right? You sure did. Great. For James City <laughs> County. We are also joined by Scott Stevens, James City County's County Administrator. Hello, Renee. Glad to be here. Glad to have both of you here. Today we are going to discuss the proposed FY23 and 24 budget and plan. And now you have to give me a second because this there's a lot of words. In the American Rescue Plan Act. Did I get it right? American Rescue Act, Act plan. plan. I knew it. I knew Close it. Enough. <laughs> Thank you. So we're going to talk about those things. What makes today's podcast very special is that we are doing this live. So we definitely we want to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments about the budget, please send them to us. You can either post them on Facebook, where you, some of you may be watching this. You can also send us an email. And the email address is community.meetings at jamescitycountyva.gov. So let's go ahead and get started. Scott, I am going to pass it on to you. Well, fortunately, Renee, I'm not the star of the show today, so I, but I do have some opening remarks. And again, as we're doing it in multiple formats, I do want to welcome our residents that are participating. And again, this is really for them to, so they understand better what is in our proposed FY 2023 budget. And so I do want to thank them for their participation in this, whether it's live <coughs> or after the fact. And there'll be many of opportunities over the coming months for questions and answers. I also want to thank our Board of Supervisors in attendance today. We've got our Chair, John McGlennon, uh, Ms. Ruth Larson, and Ms. Mr. Jim Eisenhower. And they put in a lot of time and effort for the community and just want to recognize their participation in this meeting, along with our department heads uh, and our Commonwealth Attorney, Mr. Nate Green, and our Commissioner of Revenue, Richard Bradshaw. And again, just want to thank everybody for being here. If this will work, I do want to talk about our two-year budget in terms of introducing it. It is a two-year budget. Um, FY23 is the first year of the biennial budget and the only year in which the Board of Supervisors is asked to appropriate money so we can spend it. The second year really serves as a plan, so we have an idea of what's coming, and it will be modified this time next year as we present that plan uh, for consideration to the Board. So we do continue to incorporate our strategic plan uh, goals and objectives. As we move into the highlights of the budget, the FY 2023 budget is $233.4 million, which represents a 4% increase over our FY 22 budget. Um, again, some of the things that are our highlights or drivers in preparing the budget is service to the community. First and foremost, we want to maintain our service <clears throat> excellence in providing what the community needs from its local government. Uh, staffing has been a big discussion in, in terms of the preparation of this budget, continues to be challenging for many uh, employers, James City County uh, as well. Community appearance is really a strong desire of myself and our Board of Supervisors in terms of making this a great place for us that live here, as well as those that visit to enjoy. And then we have a tremendous amount of capital uh, project needs that we'll talk about a little more. I want to circle back to staffing and speak uh, just briefly to some of the staffing challenges we've been experiencing experiencing this past year or two, and I will say local government employees and our employees here with James City County, I think do an exceptional job of covering areas that we're lacking staff in. We want to be able to provide the service and not let the community see that instead of 20 people in a job, we have 10. And so those 10 work more hours and more days and work harder to make sure that we're still getting things done. Uh, but we had enough challenges this year that we did enclose convenience center. We had one site we closed for several months. We changed the hours at a few. We just didn't have enough staff to man them, and we had worn out our staff. 
we had to close one of our Rec Connect centers that was before and after childcare. We just didn't have the staff to keep that center open in a safe manner. We've modified hours for our building inspectors so that they could respond to the inspection needs. And the list sort of goes on and on within many departments of trying to keep our positions filled so that we can continue with the services. So the budget really focuses a significant effort there. In looking at those that come and go, over the past two years, 60% of our employees that left had been here less than five years and were primarily in our lower pay grades. So we went to the Board of Supervisors with some changes to the minimum wage, one that was required to get to $11 an hour, and asked them to go from $9.64 an hour in December as our minimum pay uh, to $12 an hour in February as our minimum pay, which they agreed to do. We have since come back and talked about implementing our pay increase for next year in April to do it early, to help in the recruiting, retention, and to be able to hire for those seasonal positions that we're currently looking. And again, the board approved that, and we've moved our minimum pay again from that $9.64 per hour as our minimum hourly pay to $13.36 per hour. So we haven't caught up with the fast food areas in our, in Jane, in our area or even a lot of other employers, but we've made significant gains in what we're paying in our employees, and I hope that will help us with better retention because when we hire somebody and they stay here six months and then they leave and we start over, it takes us a while to get them up to speed and be able to provide the services at the level that we expect for them to do. So the budget includes the costs that are incurred relative to those salary increases. It also includes eight new full-time positions and the conversion of four uh, part-time to full-time positions, and then a number of reclassifications. Again, focusing on holding and retaining those that currently work here. As we move into community appearance, we've heard an awful lot about can we mow more grass, can we pick up the litter, and we have been doing those things. James City County has done that for a very long time in terms of supplementing VDOT, mowing with our own staff, hiring contract mowers, maintaining some of the medians along our roadways so that we have the appearance of our community better and better. This budget or the proposed budget has almost $900,000 more towards those kinds of efforts. We established an additional road crew meant to be that crew that when there's a couch on the side of the road and somebody needs to go get it, we can send them out this afternoon or tomorrow to go get it. Now staffing that's been challenging, so we're working through those things, but it is in this budget and I think it's areas in the community that they will see. Residents that live here I think will benefit from that. As we uh, move into capital needs, uh, the county completed a number of studies over the past two years that show we are way behind in our office space. And so you'll see projects coming forward that will say we're trying to meet that need. And today, um, we look out at 2040, we have about, we need 50% more space. And so that's significant. We've had growth in the county, but we've not grown our county facilities as we have our employees and we're out of space. And so there will be investment that goes forward in that. We could develop a five-year capital improvement plan as part of our annual budget process. And so we had a five-year capital improvement plan, or CIP, from last year, FY22. We moved to this year. We have $85 million more than was expected last year. Those are primarily uh, in construction projects, one being pre-K space for the schools and one being a new library. Those were things that have been talked about but hadn't been funded, and they are in our five-year CIP. The other two projects are really uh, starting to address some of that space needs that we have for county facilities, and it, it involves replacing our general services complex so that we're able to meet the needs of the community going forward, and then renovation is currently programmed for our social services department so that they can continue to serve the community into the future. But there's still significant needs, and another 80 to $100 million more that I would expect over the coming years in terms of county facilities. So the need is great, and this budget does set us up to be able to move through that as we go forward. 
Um, with that, I will turn it over to Sharon Day and let her carry us through some details and see what kind of questions or comments we have after that. So thank you. Thank you, Mr. Stevens. So in terms of our total overall budget, while we spend most of our time discussing our operating and our capital budgets, the county actually has eight total funds. Our general fund, also known as our operating fund, uh, is our largest fund. Our capital projects fund is our second most significant fund, and that includes county projects as well as school capital projects. And then those other funds include a debt service fund, which is used to pay for our outstanding debt obligations, and several other funds used to account for some rather substantial federal and state grants, which we use to provide services to our residents, including social services and several of our housing projects and programs. The interfund transfer line at the bottom, which is shown as a deduction, is really there to eliminate duplication. We have some revenue sources, for example, that come into our general fund that are then transferred to other funds to pay for services or projects. And a good example of that is our lodging tax. We, we reflect a 5% lodging tax in our general fund, but the state mandates that 3% of that be used for tourism-related initiatives. So that has to get transferred from our general fund to our tourism fund. We then back it out so we don't account for that twice. In terms of our general fund and just focused on that operating budget, the 23 proposed budget is 218.2 million. That's about 16 million or a little under 8% uh, increase over our current year fiscal year 22 budget. It proposes no change in our real estate tax rate. The only fee change is in our medic transport recovery fee program, and that's really to align our rates with the recommended rates from the Medicare and Medicaid Center. We have the addition of six full-time positions, four conversions from full-time to part-time, and then several reclassifications and career ladders, which were discussed in Mr. Stevens' comments. And then again, we're faced with a dilemma where our cost of providing services is always greater than our actual revenue sources. We had a total request um, that exceeded our revenue ability by $3.4 million. So in essence, requests that weren't funded in this budget. To go over some of the highlights and the main major drivers in the 23 budget, uh, Mr. Stevens had mentioned our pay-as-you-go funding for counting and school projects. By our own fiscal policies, we're required to contribute 5% of our annual revenue toward pay-as-you-go projects. And we had been doing that up until the pandemic. When we experienced a loss in our revenue, we had to reduce and take away that funding and really just focus on maintaining our current facilities. So this 5.1 is really getting us back to where we were before the pandemic. We also uh, have continued the funding for the $1,500 and 5% general wage increase, which is effective this month in April of 2022. We're funding some initiatives that were started in fiscal year 2022, but weren't part of the 2022 original budget. That included some actions that were taken throughout the year. Um, for example, we added nine new firefighters to address our call volume. We reinstated our deputy director of real estate. Uh, we have a new road crew, and we also purchased some property over at the courthouse that requires ongoing maintenance. The Virginia retirement system has an actuarial valuation done every two years. The results of that valuation dictates what we have to pay into that system for ongoing retirement benefits. 
And the results of that valuation this year increased our rate by about 2%. So that's reflected in the costs of the budget, as well as an average 3% increase in our health insurance rates, which we share. We split that increase with our employees. And then just other fringe benefits, such as workers' compensation. Again, the cost of those new full-time positions, conversions of uh, part-time to full-time, as well as reclassifications and career ladders. We did have a number of reclassifications and career ladders, and we do that because it's really a more affordable way of addressing some of our staffing needs. Rather than just adding bodies, we're constantly, constantly looking at our operations and moving people away, merging positions, um, and really trying to utilize the talent of the staff so that we can provide those services without just adding people and staff. We're also increasing our ongoing operating contribution to the school division by about 1.2 million. Our increase in our tourism investment, that has to do with that lodging tax that I used as an example previously. As we've come out of the pandemic, our lodging tax is starting to climb back up, and so our contribution for tourism also has to go up. And then also, like everyone else, we're experiencing a rising cost in fuel as well. We also have increases to our contribution for the Williamsburg Regional Library, as well as several of the other outside agencies that we fund. Um, those agencies really represent services to our residents that we internally do not provide. In essence, we outsource that to those agencies. And those are really driven by our increase um, in population, as well as the usage of those services. And we have agreements in place that dictate uh, those dollar amounts. And then also discussed earlier uh, our initiative to increase our minimum wage to remain competitive from $9.64 to $12. The additional increase from $12 to $13.36 is included in the overall 5% $1,500 wage increase. So here in the general fund, I wanted to show the number of positions that were actually requested versus how many we were able to actually fund. Um, and I think it's important to know that these requests are vetted independently by our Department of Human Resources. They're looking at it from a different perspective. They're really evaluating the overall needs of the department. Um, they're comparing that and benchmarking that against other localities um, that are similar in size and in organization and how we do business. Um, and then also just countywide, um, they help us prioritize those requests as well. Of those 16 positions, all but one of those were fully recommended by HR based on the needs of the county and of that particular department. However, based on funding constraints, we weren't able to fund all of those. As you can see, we're funding about half of them in the fiscal year 23 budget. Here I've listed the positions that are funded. I think it's important to also talk about what's not funded. Um, those positions include a human resources technician, an absentee voting coordinator position, an assistant general register position, a position in the Commissioner Revenues Office to help with fiduciary tax, taxes, um, some conversion of a part-time position in the Treasurer's Office, another real estate appraiser position, an assistant director and a facility technician in general services, and that, then also converting some positions um, from part-time to full-time in parks and recreation, as well as a water safety instructor. Moving on to the revenue side of things, in terms of the funding sources for our general fund, as you can see, the majority of the county's revenue is derived from our real estate and personal property taxes. That's in your very first category, general property taxes, and that makes up about 70% of our total budget. 
and I'll discuss the other revenue sources in a little bit more detail as we move through. Again, with general property taxes, this is where, where the real estate reassessment results resides. Overall, we did experience about an 8.2% increase in the total assessed value of real property. Also in this category is personal property tax. Uh, the NADA appraisal guide, which is what we use to assess real estate, or excuse me, personal property, showed some pretty significant increases in vehicles, and in particular, used vehicles. Our commissioner of revenue recognized that um, and approached our board of supervisors um, to ask for some potential relief, and our board of supervisors opted to do that and provide that tax relief to our citizens, to those that are being impacted, by applying an assessment rate of 75% instead of 100% of those NADA values. That board action reduced the overall assessed value by over $200 million, or, and it affected 65,000 plus vehicles in the county, and it generated a $9 million savings to our citizens. Also included in this category is new construction, growth, and development, which included some additional revenue um, brought into the county this year. And the other local taxes, that's the area that we were impacted the most through the pandemic. That's our sales, meals, and lodging taxes. And most of the growth that we're seeing there is really getting us back to our pre-pandemic levels, although we are seeing an additional increase in sales tax, which primarily is related to the internet sales being taxed now. I also wanted to mention this is where the additional 1% historic triangle sales tax resides, as well as our cigarette tax, and both of those have been 100% earmarked for CIP to be used for our pay-as-you-go projects. Licenses, permits, and fees, this, this category is projected to remain level. We have no new fees that are being proposed. And our state uh, revenue category, this primarily reflects the revenue that we receive from the state for our compensation from the Compensation Board for our constitutional officers. Based on the most recent pro um, proposed state budget, it does include funding for 5% raise. So this is the recoupment or the reimbursement from the state to the locality for that raise. And our other category really encompasses everything that doesn't fit into another category. It's our charges for services, fines, rents, sale of assets, and just other miscellaneous revenues. Uh, we are anticipating that our parks and rec, which is the biggest category in this area, to resume more normal operations. And as we do that, the cost of running the programs goes up, but the revenue that supports those programs also goes up. And then the only change in fees throughout this budget is, again, in that medic recovery program for the ambulance services to align it with those Medicare and Medicaid reimbursement rates. It's probably important to, to note here that those rates usually do increase every year, if not every two years. However, we suspended any increase in those fees during the pandemic, so it's been a number of years since we've adjusted those. Looking at the expenditure side of the general fund now, our expenditures are broken down into what we call functions, um, but better known as really the various departments of the county. And here you can see that the largest chunk of our operating budget is for education in the form of our support to the school division. That supports debt service on their capital projects. It also supports operations for the school division. It's made up of 102.1 million, or about 47% of our budget. And then the second largest category is public safety at 32.4 million, and that reflects about 15% of our total budget. So just with those two areas combined, that's two-thirds of our budget, 
which means the other third goes to all the other functions within the county as well as the county's own capital needs. This graphic really shows the same information, but they pre we're presenting this in form of a dollar. So essentially, for every dollar of revenue, 62 cents goes toward education and public safety, and 38 cents, all those other little cents up there, amounts to um, all the other operating capital needs of the county. Here we wanted to demonstrate uh, what the average assessed home value pays in terms of annual real estate taxes. So after the latest reassessment, the average home value is $370,000, and that equates to $3,108 of annual real estate taxes, or roughly $259 a month. And here you can see how that gets allocated to those various functions. It shows, for example, $121 going to our school division, and again, that's about 47% or almost half of the total budget. Back to the analogy of the average home value at $370,000, I wanted to show what it is with the reassessment and what it would be uh, without the reassessment. So currently, a $370,000 home at an 84 cent current tax rate, again, generates $3,100 in annual revenue for real estate taxes. The equalized rate, so what the rate would need to be reduced by for the reassessment to be equalized is a 77.15. So it's about six. 0.85 cents. That would generate $2,855 of annual real estate. The difference between those two numbers is $253 a year or about $21 a month. A lot of times I get asked what one cent on the tax rate equates to, and to the average homeowner, it's about $3 a month. I wanted to go over uh, the process itself for the reassessment process. We've talked about it being a two-year process. Um, so first, it, it starts in May and June, uh, where we reach out to our commercial properties that generate income, and we ask for their profit statements, their income and expense statements. And then for the next six months, on the residential side, our appraisers are collecting information, reviewing it, analyzing it, looking at permit activity, new construction, additions to homes, sales studies, market data, trends, the MLS that real estate agents use. And they're going out and they're performing site inspections. They're taking pictures, they're reviewing land records, and they're also looking at aerial photos. In January of 2022, the appraiser's preliminary assessments are reviewed, discussed, and finalized amongst each other, as well as the deputy and the director of the, of the department. In February of 2022, we finalize those numbers. Uh, the information is sent to our vendor for printing, and the notices are mailed uh, to the residents. For the month of March, the real estate appraisers are engaging with the property owners, um, both on the residential and the commercial side, to respond to the questions, explain the methodology. It is a convoluted process, most of which is mandated by code or dictated by code. Um, but to really explain why what two properties that may seem similar, what may be different about them, and really get into that underlying data. They also review documentation for their specific property, and they go over that with them. The deadline to form to file an appeal with the Board of Equalization is on April 30th, and then those hearings are conducted with the Board of Equalization usually the last two weeks during the month of June. I wanted to add that the county has over 35,000 parcels, 
And so because we're reviewing all this information for each one, we're also making sure that any sales that have transpired in the last couple years are what we call arm's length transactions, meaning it's a reasonable sale. Um, it's not just a sale between a brother and a sister that cut each other a deal. We also make sure that our staff maintains their credentials. Um, Everyone on staff maintains multiple licenses and certifications, but as part of that, they're required to have ongoing continuing education. So they have to have at least 21 hours of continual education to make sure that they're staying on top of what's happening in the field. I wanted to also note that the reassessments, although they're effective January 1st of 2022, the first payment isn't due until almost a year later. So the first bill, will be mailed in November and is due December 5th. So in terms of when the bulk of the work is actually done, which is May, June 2021, it's about an 18th month long process between that time period and when that first tax bill is actually received in December of 2022. That allows time for the proper due diligence to be performed, public engagement, the Board of Equalization to do their work, the budget and the tax rate to be set and finalized, and it also allows time for the commissioner revenue and the treasurer to finalize their land book and get the billings in place. Darren, if I could interrupt for just a second, I wanna remind everyone who is watching this from home that we would love to get your questions and input as we're going through this presentation. So please feel free to go onto our Facebook account, James City, or facebook.com slash James City County, submit your questions and input there. You can also send us an email at community.meetings at jamescitycountyva.gov, and we will try to get to them tonight during this meeting. Okay, back to you, Sharon. Thank you. So I wanted to spend a few minutes going through some specific examples. We talk a lot about our strategic plan. So I wanted to cite some specific examples in the budget where there are projects or initiatives that are being funded because they are specifically related to a strategic goal and more importantly, a specific operational initiative. So the strategic plan does, in, does include seven different goals. Uh, the first one has to do with long-term water supply, and that mainly falls under the purview of our service authority, so I won't spend a lot of time on that one today. But in terms of infrastructure and facilities and technology systems, again, our focus has been on maintaining our current facilities. We're also concerned about the safety and security of our facilities. We have several uh, facility space needs being addressed that we talked about earlier with general services, the library, renovations to our social services building. We have some technology enhancements and software replacements, improvements to various um, county rec centers and parks and the marina, stormwater projects, and also utilizing our ARPA money to cover several of our capital projects. In terms of protecting the community character, uh, transportation funding is a continual initiative. Uh, it's annually funded at $1.75 million. We leverage those dollars with the VDOT revenue sharing program. Uh, it's one of those projects that the more we contribute, the more state funding we receive. So that's an, import an important initiative for us. And then also with this budget, we've reinstated the open space program. Uh, it's currently included in our CIP and funded at $1.25 million annually. In terms of diversifying and expanding our economy, a new initiative under our Office of Economic Development this year is their Business Ready Sites Program. 
We also continue to focus very heavily on tourism and making sure we're following the projects that are identified also in the Shaping Our Shores Master Plan. We have, again, improvements included throughout the county, all county facilities and parks, including a new baseball and softball synthetic field, parking and restrooms at Warhill, and then ongoing improvements to the beach and the Jamestown um, Beach Event Park as well. In terms of public services, primarily focusing on public safety, uh, we talked about some initiatives earlier about adding the new firefighters. That was to address staffing needs for call volume and also to assist with reducing overtime. And we have our ongoing replacement of certain fire apparatus also built into our five-year CIP. Over on the police department side of things, we have operating funds for the replacement of nine vehicles that have been funded. And we also have several CIP projects, including some covered parking for vehicles, the replacement of a security system, and a driving simulator to help with some safety initiatives as well. For high quality education, our focus here is on uh, adequately funding our school division. Again, I'd mentioned the increase in operational support of $1.2 million. We also are funding several uh, space needs that they have as well, including the design and construction of pre-K space, two high school expansions, and then just various projects throughout their existing facilities as well. For fiscally efficient government, um, our focus here again has been on our staff, retaining and the future recruitment of staff, um, again wanting to remain competitive and also providing some opportunities for our staff to grow and advance within their career here at the county. And in closing, I just wanted to mention a few of our upcoming meetings, um, in particular our, our public hearing on both the budget as well as a public hearing on the tax rate is coming up on April the 12th at 5 p.m. We have a business meeting to go over some specific budget initiatives on April the 26th. And our budget is currently scheduled to be adopted on May the 10th at 5 p.m. The location for all of those meetings would be here in our government center. I also wanted to mention that our proposed budget document is available for viewing on the county's website. The document includes high-level summaries, but for those of you interested in the line-by-line -line item detail, that is also included as well. And that, that really concludes my remarks on the proposed budget. Um, turn it back over to you, Renee. Okay, great. Once again, send us your questions. We would love to hear from you. Here on Facebook, you can leave any comments or questions or send us an email at community.meetings at jamescitycountyva.gov. Next on our agenda, I think I'm sending it back over to you, Scott. I think you're right. And again, Sharon, I appreciate a lot of numbers. And before I forget, if you have questions about what she's presented or what we're talking about, please send your questions either before or during or after or call us. We'll be happy to make sure that you understand. There's a lot more detail behind what's been shared uh, so far today. Any questions from audience here in person before we move on? We're going to talk about our American Rescue uh, Plan Act funding and sort of proposed for that. All right, well, I know, oh, come right forward. If you come to the mic, sir, just so we can, those at home could hear you, uh, I'd be happy to try to answer your question. You don't have to state your name, but it would certainly be nice for us to know uh, who you are if you're willing to. I'm a resident of the county, and uh, I appreciate this opportunity. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't been a very active member of the community in terms of the political nature 
until I received my real estate assessment, which I find unacceptable. I, throughout this discussion this afternoon, I've seen no mention, either here or on the website or in the budget or in the strategy or the goals of the county for cost reduction or efficiency. It's always bigger is better. Over the past five years, there's been only one reduction in the budget, and that was due to reduced capital expenditures in 2021. Yet the population has only grown at 1% average, while the budget has grown 3% over five year, 3% per year over a five-year period. So that's a discrepancy of 2% per year compounded. Bigger is not better. <clears throat> what I think is better is more for less. And I don't see any evidence of that, particularly in light of a 1% per year growth in the population, and yet we're spending on schools, we're spending on fire, police, all the big ticket items, and yet it should only be responsive to 1% growth in the population. The argument can be made, I'm sure, by each of you that, oh, it's okay because we're keeping the tax rate the same. Well, it's not about the tax rate. It's not about the assessment. It's about the revenue that you spend each and every year. And the game that's played is because we've had significant increase in the assessment, 8%, the revenue is going to go up, despite the fact that the tax rate is kept the same. At the same time, I'll bet you a dime to a dollar, as evidenced by the data, <clears throat> when the real estate property values go down, the budget doesn't go down. You never even think of keeping the budget at a lower rate as opposed to an increased rate. So going forward, I expected a de decrease in budget when the real estate assessments go down, and I hope I live to see that. And <clears throat> all of this needs to be to take into account the context in which this county operates. Namely, according to your own statistics, the average age of <clears throat> the community is 49 years old excuse me, the median age. That means 50% of the population is over 49. I happen to be one of those, what I suspect is somewhere between 25 and 33% of the population that's a senior citizen. Translated, that means I'm on a fixed income. That means I don't get an 8% increase in my assessment. I don't get... Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, my assessment went up 10%. I don't get an increase in my income at 10%. I don't get an increase in my salary. I don't get all the benefits that bigger is better makes. The 
You talked about the community needs. Who demand, Who decides what the community needs are? We need more parks, more fire department, more police, more libraries, <clears throat> more schools. I can't believe we're expanding schools when we've got palaces that are called high schools. We got palaces that are called grade schools and we just keep building. Now you talk in terms of your space needs as the county. Well, <clears throat> instead of spending money which is included in the budget on a capital, on an analysis of the design of a capital building for the county, why don't you go release the J.C. Penney building that's been vacant for years? There's more than enough space there. It would increase the county's revenue because that landlord would get paid. So maybe you don't have to buy it. Maybe you could lease it. Gee, wouldn't that be a novel idea? So that when we don't need the space because bigger isn't better, we can offload that expense. So my recommendations are as follows. Number one, go back and look at this budget and look for a 5% reduction. That's lower expense, lower expenditures. Number two, <clears throat> add a cost reduction to the goals and strategy of the county. Think in terms of more for less. Don't think in terms of bigger is better. In your financial results, it took me a while to go back and look at five years of history. Include in your budget the trends over the past five or ten years, preferably ten years. Don't hide your numbers, make them transparent. And when you show a chart, like the population chart, show numbers. Don't show a graph that has to be interpreted by somebody who doesn't have the numbers. I already spoke to using the J.C. Penney building or some other building that's vacant. Why think in terms of, oh, we got to build something for the next 27 years? And finally, you've given a credit <clears throat> to the vehicle owners by reducing the assessment on vehicles from 100% to 75%. Whoever thought about giving a credit to the senior citizens who can't afford to pay your salaries increasingly year after year after year? Yes, sir. Well, thank you for your comments. I'm not sure there was a question, but I do appreciate the comments and the idea in terms of thoughts on revenue and others. And certainly, you've got board members here. They certainly will hear those kind of comments and concerns as well. So thank you for that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Mr. Stevens, we do have an email question when right. you're ready. Sure. All right. Uh, this person says, I'm new to all of this. Is the county as a whole going to appeal the new assessment slash tax rate, or is that something for individual homeowners to do? Well, I think I'll answer it and then mistake, correct me if I get it wrong. In terms of the, the real estate assessment, that is up to the property owner. So the homeowner would need to make that appeal. They had a chance until March 30th to talk to staff, on, to our staff. The next level is our Board of Equalization, and they have until April 30th. And so they can get those forms through our the real estate division's office. I didn't bring that number with me, although I think I can gin that up in a minute. But uh, we could share that number so they could make that call. And then uh, 
but they have to take that on themselves. So the Board of Supervisors during the budget discussions over the next month will talk some about the tax rate. And the Board could change the tax rate, uh, but as Ms. Day pointed out, if they did an average reduction in the tax uh, rate, it doesn't, it's not equal to all residents because some values increased, the average was 8%, some values increased 10%, 20%, 30%, so that same dollar value decrease or uh, in the tax rate wouldn't equate the same to all property owners. So it's not a simple question, but property owner has to take it upon themselves. Um, the Board of Supervisors will talk about the tax rate during their budget deliberations. Great. And the telephone number for real estate is 757-253-6650. Thank you, Renee. Thank you. Other questions? No, not at this time. I do want to talk briefly. We've got it included um, in our budget document, and I will point out, Renee, I think I know where you got confused because I put American Rescue Act plan in its plan act. So I know when you started out, <laughs> gotcha. you got that from somewhere. So it came from me, so I apologize for that. Or, or ARPA, as we have referred to it. And while it's not part of our operating budget, it is something that we wanted to share with the community, and we've included it in the budget just for transparency and, and the opportunity for our residents to see it. So James City County's allocation was $14.8 million from ARPA. We received $7.4 million last spring, and we anticipate another $7.4 another million this spring. All the funds have to be obligated by December of 2024, and they have to be spent by December of 2026. And so you have your eligible uses of four categories, and then we had a process here to determine our possible use of funds. So we went to the departments last summer and asked for their ideas of what we would submit for this funding. The department submitted requests. Uh, those requests totaled $36 million. And we're talking with the Board of Supervisors at public meetings at their October 26th and November 23rd business meetings. Uh, we had a recommended list that funded 21 of the 34 requests. And the Board of Supervisors approved in concept but ask that we share with residents to solicit feedback. So that's part of our budget process of where we had intended to do that. I've broken the projects into really six categories to, I guess, for ease of talking through where we've got them laid out and what we think we are funding, or at least proposing. One being affordable housing. We had a workforce housing task force, or, and we've talked about that. We had a number of recommendations. And so I've labeled these as, as one, and they total about $1.4 million. We have a couple we've labeled as community items. They were business and nonprofit grants of around a million dollars. We added support positions, some for managing the additional workloads, some for keeping up with the additional finance side, and some for providing services with our Connect Medical uh, in our Department of Social Services that are temporary positions funded for a period of two to three years using this ARPA money of 800 and some thousand dollars. We've accelerated or recommended the acceleration of four of our CIP project items, a generator at our emergency communications center, a well replacement of well at Chickahominy Riverfront Park, the continuing extension of the county's fiber optic system that connects our buildings, and then the, the bigger one of that is a lower county park that we've talked about for a long time in the Grove area of finally establishing and moving forward with the construction of that park. We had new projects that were submitted. There was a, a slight cost for building reinforcement at a marina uh, building, replacement of our phone system that we use on a daily basis, but really as a 1990s vintage, satellite office renovation projects, uh, some touch points, replacing some things in our bathroom facilities throughout county facilities where you no longer have to flush the toilet or turn on the faucet. They will come on automatically. And then also some transportation max to help accelerate some of our projects with the State Department of Transportation. 
And then we had a couple of tourism-related items. Uh, restaurant support, we've had some conversation with an entity interested in building a restaurant on county property. We would support the parking, stormwater, utilities. Hopefully the private entity would build the restaurant. It would be a, a benefit to both the county and its residents in terms of access to that. And then the Ambler House we have of trying to make it a better event venue. We have stabilized the outside of the structure. This would, and we have interest in, in people using the exterior, but landscaping, so better electric service there, better water service there, stage and bathrooms that are portable and can be used throughout the county for events are all part of our tourism-related items. And while I won't spend a lot of time on these next two slides, where I had something labeled Category 1 that was affordable housing category, the category here over in the far right next to the recommended funding level would give you the category so you know what that equates back to and then a description of what those projects are. So these projects on these two sheets do represent the county's ARPA funding and at least our proposed plan for it. We have moved forward with a small percentage of these dollars, uh, the large um, uh, more than 10 million we are holding until we get through the budget process to ensure the community doesn't have different ideas for the funding or other things that we should consider. So uh, just in summary for that, we did receive 14.8 million is our allocation. We have received half of that and expect the other half this spring. It does have to be obligated by December of 2024, which is not that far away, and then spent by December of 2026. And the funding and projects are not part of our operating budget or normal CIP plan, but they are for transparency in the budget message and captured in this budget. And then again, we're asking for public comment as part of the budget process. So, Sharon, anything I've left off on that? Summary. Very good. I think with that, Renee, I'll turn it back over to you. If there are other questions, we would be happy to try to talk through those. Or, uh, okay. Right now, I'm not seeing any other questions. We'll probably go for a couple of more minutes in case anyone has anything that they'd want to share with us. You can leave a message here on Facebook or send us an email at community.meetings at jamescitycountyva.gov. Something that is great with modern technology is for folks that were not able to tune in live to this, this meeting will continue to be out there. And so folks can watch, they'll be able to see the PowerPoint presentation. We'll have it in an audio only form for our podcast folks. And we'll include the presentation so people can check that out. So even afterwards, please continue to send us your questions or comments to community.meetings at jamescitycountyva.gov. Any final comments before we wrap this up? No, I, I appreciate you leading us through. I appreciate the participation. I certainly encourage questions and some discussion as we go through the coming months, and I know our Board of Supervisors would appreciate that as well. Again, a reminder of upcoming meetings where there's an opportunity for public comment. The public hearings on our budget and the tax rate are April 12th at 5 p.m. with the Board of Supervisors. Again, the business meeting that the board doesn't allow for public comment, but does have public discussion at April 26th at 1 p.m. And then the regular meeting for our Board of Supervisors and anticipated budget adoption is May 10th at 5 p.m. So would certainly encourage dialogue to that point and after as our residents have questions and concerns about the direction in which we're headed. So like, thank you again for getting us together and we'll let you sign us off. All righty. Well, thank you both very much. That, once again, wraps up this episode of This Week in James City County. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, please feel, to content, feel free to continue to send us comments, input. We would love to hear from you. Go to community.meetings at jamescitycountyva.gov. Thank you so much, and we'll talk with you next week.